I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Who do you think killed Joanne Tate? I have no idea. Uh, it could have been Tommy Lindsay's. It could have been the guy who's babysitting for Joanne, Steve Yancey. It could have been something altogether different. Rodney Lincoln doesn't know who murdered Joanne and hurt her daughters. All he knows is the state of Missouri still treating him as if he's the one who did it. They had the conviction. They didn't want to let go of it. I'm Leah Rothman. This is The Real Killer. Episode 8, 36 Years and 10 Days. What happened when I recanted was the most baffling set of circumstances. Uh, I definitely did not expect the pushback and the negative reaction that I got from people in the system. I really thought that they would be just as gung-ho as I was and get the paperwork rolling and get everything moving. You're not supposed to have innocent people in prison, right? Melissa DeBoer's 2015 recantation does not result in Rodney's release that year or even the next. For Melissa, that reality is unbearable. The depression that came after I came forward, after the dust settled, it was by far um, probably the second worst in my life. Twice I stood at the train the train tracks, waiting for the train, and I was ready to jump. A couple of times I swallowed too much medication, and I wake up throwing up and angry that I was still there. I had been hurting and fighting and treading water my whole life. I was exhausted. I didn't want to be in the world anymore, because not only did was he in there because of me, he was going to die in there because of me. Melissa is struggling, and so are Rodney and his family after they suffer a devastating loss. Jessie. Jessie was her name. Here's Rodney's daughter, Kay. On June 12, 2016, 
my dad's granddaughter, my daughter was murdered. Jessie had just gotten off work and she took her boyfriend somewhere where he shouldn't have been going. And as he was waiting to meet with the person, somebody walked up to the car and pulled a gun. She tried to drive away. They fired the two shots into the car. One hit her and the arm went straight through her arm into her heart. She drove two blocks, got her baby and her boyfriend away from the scene and then she collapsed and he called 911 and they were able to transport her to the hospital but she died during surgery. 23 years old, left a two-year-old baby. So in the middle of everything that's going on with your dad, you lose your daughter and now you have you, you take her child, Connor. Yeah. He's so much like her. He has her heart. Did they ever catch her killer? They actually did catch the man that killed my daughter. And he actually killed another young man three days before my daughter. And three days before that committed an armed robbery. They did catch him. My daughter's boyfriend identified him. He was indicted. He went to trial. And at trial, the only eyewitness for my daughter was her boyfriend, who has a substance abuse problem. And the defense attorney did a hell of a lot better job than my dad's defense attorney did. And the defense attorney just destroyed him. The prosecuting attorney didn't really do anything to rebut that. And he was acquitted. And that was just so, so hard to hear. You know, you fight the justice system all these years to get somebody who's been wrongfully convicted free. And then you're, you're sitting on the other side of the aisle and you're wanting them to do what you know they need to do and they let you down again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to reconcile these two truths, how one system can fail in... In so many ways. Fail so many people in so many ways. Months later, a glimmer of hope. In 2017, Kimberly Gardner becomes the new St. Louis circuit attorney. She's the first Black woman elected to the office. She ran on a justice reform platform, and one of her first orders of business was to review potentially questionable convictions from the past. Tell me about your conviction integrity unit and why you felt it was necessary to start one. When I took office, when we talk about the integrity of the criminal justice system, um, the ability for prosecutors to correct wrongful convictions is key because things can happen. Um, so um, day one, one of the big pieces that I wanted to implement inside the office is having a standalone conviction integrity unit that is separated from the day-to-day -day of the office, reports directly to myself, and we review these tough cases that we all know good people can make bad mistakes, or there may be some issues that prosecutors need to kind of reconsider and relook at. And if we looked at that case today, how will we try that case? And maybe there was mistakes of how the investigation took place, the interrogation tactics of police, or was there things that a prosecutor should have turned over to the other side that would have had a different outcome? And I think it's critical not only to that person who there may be wrongfully convicted or we find um, something that we need to correct, but at the same time, it's a training tool for our prosecutors of what not to do and what we need to work on better. So um, Rodney Lincoln's case, when you first learned of his case, what did you think? Well, I mean, like everybody else, I heard of it, you know, in the news, but, um, you know, I never had the luxury of really delving into the case until it was time for me to kind of look at this case and kind of say, hey, there may be some issues. And then we had a victim say that this individual did not commit this crime. Once I had uh, did our due diligence, Rodney Lincoln's case was going to be the first uh, conviction integrity unit case that our office had. 
originally. While Kim Gardner's Conviction Integrity Unit begins looking at Rodney's case, his attorneys, Trisha Rojo-Bushnell and Sean O'Brien, file a 120-page writ of habeas corpus to the Missouri Court of Appeals Western District. It's the next step after Judge Green's 2016 denial in Cole County. Here's Trisha. So we went to the Court of Appeals, and we said, hey, this was a bad decision down below. No evidence left to convict him. And the Court of Appeals said um, that it did not have the power to overturn a conviction based on innocence unless the defendant was sentenced to death. And Rodney Lincoln had not been sentenced to death. Forgive me, but two life sentences equals death. Right. Well, that's, you know, Sean likes to say it's death on the installment plan, right? So it's... it is death. It's death in prison, but it is, it is death at the hands of the state um, by time, right? But not by a one overt act. And so, but that's not what the court found. So we asked the Supreme Court for review. We wanted them to weigh in um, and they declined to review it. And so that um, was, was the end of that appeal. I mean, I, the things that are very clear in my mind was getting that opinion. And I was at some, you know, some meeting with a bunch of people in it, and I just walked outside and sat on the curb and just cried and cried and cried. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, um, if we can't bring Rodney home, what are we even doing? Should I even be a lawyer anymore? Sorry, I didn't expect that. No, and I can, I mean, I can imagine, like, you're fighting so hard, and it seems so obvious. It seems like they're fighting to keep him in. They absolutely are, and he's not the only one. They do it over and over and over. For the last 30 years, the Attorney General of Missouri has fought every single innocence case. Why? And that's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and so it can feel... Um, you know, like a Sisyphus moment, right? We keep rolling the rock up, um, and it shouldn't be this hard. It may be someone in Kim Gardner's office who's making things even harder. It's a name you've heard many times before. Former Assistant Circuit Attorney and Chief Warrant Officer Ed Pistacco. Here's Sean O'Brien. There was a hearing in front of the Missouri Board of Probation and Parole because Rodney was eligible for parole. Um, And at this point, Melissa is on board with his release. Uh, The circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, is on board with his release. And without any notice to anybody, uh, to Kim, to us, Ed Pistacco goes down to the Missouri Board of Probation and Parole and makes a presentation that we'll never know what he said, because those files are closed by law. We cannot get into those files. Kim can't, we can't, but I think I know what he said. <laughs> you know, uh, It did not take the parole board very long at all to deny relief. And that, that would have been Rodney's uh, best chance for release. And I'm sure Ed Pistaco went down there to torpedo it. I asked Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner about this parole hearing. I can confirm that. I can f- confirm that Ed Pistaco represented the office with no um, authority. And at the time, I had just taken office. So this happened, I think, in 2017. And um, with no uh, authority to represent the office. And at that time, I also requested what was said in that parole hearing and was not given access. So that is disturbing to me that even the circuit attorney, who the person was representing the sentiments of an office that they're actually working for, the parole board would not give me access to Ed Postaco's statements in that hearing. It defies logic, right? I mean, how can Kim Gardner, the elected circuit attorney, be denied access to what Ed Postaco, someone who went there representing her office, said in that parole hearing? We're going to talk a lot more about Kim Gardner. Her reform policies are being met with intense and unprecedented opposition, which many say, at its core, is racist. 
By the way, I still haven't heard from Ed Bastaco. Now it's mid-2017, and Rodney won't be eligible for parole for three more years. But maybe Kim Gardner can help in another way. Here's Trisha again. We go and meet with her to talk about some ideas of some filings that we think um, she could do. And essentially, there is a rule um, that says if a verdict was had based on false evidence in civil proceedings, you can reopen that verdict. And we were going to file something because in the DNA proceeding, um, Epistaco had said that Melissa's identification had never wavered. And that was not true. There were all these Department of Family Services records that showed that she had wavered a lot. She was afraid of all men. She had identified other people as the bad man, and they never disclosed that. And so we should reopen it. And so we were going to start this process. I mean, at that time, one of the requirements that the city thought they needed was to get a waiver of any compensation rights, any civil claims that Rodney would raise against the city. Did it sort of seem like if you sign this, coming home could be more imminent? Like a quid pro quo kind of thing? The belief was if he signed it, then we would, yes, we would start a different process and we would have another avenue that we did not think would be available to us otherwise. Now, whether or not that would be successful, we didn't know. You know, the vast majority of people who are exonerated don't collect any money. Missouri statute only provides for people who are exonerated by DNA evidence. So if you're exonerated, but your exoneration did not come from the DNA testing, too bad, so sad, you don't get any money from Missouri. So as part of the discussion about doing something, the city wanted Rodney to sign a waiver of any potential civil claim he could ever have. How did you feel about that? I also knew how hard it was gonna be to get him home. We had already lost every way you could lose. And so we had to talk about that. Is it worth it to keep a potential claim that is largely unsuccessful or to potentially go home? But it was awful. (laughs) It was an awful conversation. I would really love to know how Rodney describes it. It was a hard decision for me. I told her I can't sign this. I told her, you know, we got to fight it. We got to win it. And that's when she told me, I don't think we can win. That was the first time Teresa ever said anything like that. But for Rodney's daughter Kay, the decision is an easy one. I'm like, Dad, sign it. Who cares if you can sue? Who cares if you ever get a dime? Just come home. Sign it. And they said that it would happen pretty quickly once he signed it. So he signed it. April, we're still waiting. May, we're still waiting. He signed the waiver. Why is this not happening? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You can set your clock by an inmate's schedule, and June 1st, 2018 would be no different. Until, that is, Rodney hears his name called over the loudspeaker. That's never good. 10.30 in the morning, I go up to the intercom. Yeah, you call me? Yeah, Sergeant wants to talk to you. Yeah, I say, yeah, Sergeant, what do you want? Go back to your room, put on your graves, and bring your ID card. Assuming he's about to get written up for some violation, Rodney does what he's told. When he returns, he learns exactly what is happening. So you got a call coming from the governor. What did I do to him? He said, no, seriously. He got a call coming from the governor. Rodney is escorted to the library where there are almost two dozen officers, sergeants, and captains waiting for him. Terrifying. He's told to sit. Again, he complies. Sergeant, about that time they brought another man in. Uh, and Jesse, I've known Jesse for years. The sergeant comes over and tells us, you will be getting a call from the governor sometime between 11 and 1. It's about quarter 11 now. 11 o'clock rolls around, no call. 12 o'clock, nothing. 1 o'clock, not a sound. 2 o'clock, still nothing. While Rodney waits for his call, Kay's about to get one of her own. My phone rings, and it's Trisha. She said, well, I just called the prison to talk to your dad because he never called this morning. And when I asked them why my client hadn't called, they told me he couldn't. I said, well, why? What's wrong? You know, I'm freaking out. And she said, they said he's sitting in a room waiting on a call from the governor. And my mind just went blank. I hadn't even... Thought, put any thought into the fact that June 1st was the governor's last day in office. It's Governor Greitens' last day because he's resigning. He's embroiled in multiple scandals that involve alleged sexual misconduct and political campaign violations. Rather than face impeachment, he's quitting. And today's his last day. And I said, Tricia, what does that mean? She said, it can only mean one thing, but I don't have any confirmation of it. Sean and I are headed to Jeff City. Jeff City is Jefferson City Correctional Center. The next call Kay gets is from her sister, Kelly. And I'm like, are you on your way to come get me? She's like, no, um, I figured I'd wait till Trisha called and told us what's going on. And um, now remember, my sister is the very dominant one. She's the very controlling one. Usually I go by everything she says. And um. She's like, I was waiting to hear back from Trisha. I said, no, you're not. You're getting in the car right now. You're going to come get me, and we're going to Jeff City. As Kay, Kelly, and Kelly's son drive to the prison, Rodney sits there and waits. 2.30 goes by. 3 o'clock. 3.30. Then the phone rings. It's for Rodney. I said, hello. And his voice says, is this Rodney Lincoln? And I said, yes, it is. So please hang on. 
the governor of the state of Missouri wants to speak to you. Okay. Voice is uh, Rodney. Yes. He said, "This is Governor Brightens. I wanted to call and tell you that I'm commuting your sentence to time served, and you'll be going home soon." I'm sitting there holding the phone. The only thing I can say is, "Thank you." He said, Rodney, I want you to spend the rest of your time trying to be a better person. I want you to spend the rest of your time trying to make your community a better community. I want you to spend the rest of your time trying to make your country a better country. And God bless you. All I could say was, God bless you. I handed the phone back. Jesse and I hugged each other and said, we're going home. We got to the prison and I walked into the lobby. And the first thing I saw was Sean O'Brien and his smile lit up that entire lobby. I've never seen a smile so big in my life. And at that moment, I knew it was real. I'd never seen Sean so happy in my life. And it was just, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was calling everybody. You called me. And I called you. <laughs> Leah, it's Kay. The governor commuted my dad's sentence to time served. He is coming home, possibly today. I will try to call you later. Bye. A quick aside, I was at Crime Watch Daily when I got Kay's message. I ran through the office playing it for everyone there. People literally cheered. Okay, so Rodney is going home and asks if he can go gather his belongings from his cell and say goodbye to some friends. Yeah, I uh, told him, hey, can I go back to the house? I said, why can't I go back there? So you're being processed out. You're not allowed back there. I can't go back there. I'm not an inmate. That was a moment of reckoning. Uh, you're no longer an inmate. That was a moment where I was more confused at any time in my life. I'm not an inmate. What am I? I felt like a body in limbo. Limbo wasn't a very nice place. At this moment, limbo looked mighty good to me. As we walked out, we had a stop in the window. And the CEO says, what's your number? 4856 Street. He says, okay, that's you. As I walked out, Kelly and Kay came running up to me. And we hugged, cried, pandemonium. It was just amazing. Could not even believe that it was happening. Um, his lawyer actually took a picture of me and my sister as he was walking through. And you see two grown women standing there. But what was actually standing there was a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old little girl who had waited a lifetime for that moment. 20 minutes after six, I walked out the prison doors. Sun was shining, sky was blue, 
You know, I never noticed the difference till that time. How the sun feels inside the prison and how differently it feels outside. When you're outside that prison, it feels great. Barely 10 steps past the prison threshold, a St. Louis news station interviews Rodney. He addresses one person directly. Melissa, honey, we won. Finally, we won. I'm at a Texas roadhouse eating a buttery roll and breaking up with my boyfriend. And my phone rang, and it was Lindsay, my attorney. And she said, guess what? Rodney gets to go home. And I think I squealed, and I started crying right then and there. It was weird. I had went from hating this man and fearing him for so many years that it was just, not only did I love him, but he had forgiven me, and he was part of me. He was part of my family, and it was just the oddest reversal and one of the most happy things that have happened to me in a long time. As they drive off from Jefferson City Correctional Center, the concrete and steel cage Rodney's called home for decades, they make their way down No More Victims Road. Yes, that really is the name of the road. Here's Kelly again. It was so funny, I remember my son sat in the back seat. He's like, okay, is anyone else freaking the fuck out? <laughs> Just look at him, he's like, Grandpa's in the car. He's in the car with us. Okay, Facebook, I got somebody who wants to say hi to everybody. Just talk. Hi, everyone, I'm back. <laughs> Say something else. It's me. <laughs> I'm the guy that's been in prison all your life. Rodney and his family first stop to have a celebratory dinner with Trisha and Sean. Then they stop for a second dinner. Ever since the first time that he thought he may be getting home, you know, everybody asks these guys, what, where do you want your first meal when you come home? He wanted to go to Steak and Shake in Lee May in South St. Louis, which is where he grew up, where he hung out as a kid. And he wanted a shake just like they made him in 1950. So we went to Steak and Shake, and we had several family members there waiting for us. We pulled up in the parking lot, we got out, and Dad loves to tell this story. This little bitty girl, by yay tall. So I'm running out the door across the parking lot, grabs me around the legs and says, I love you, Grandpa. I had no idea of who it was. But I loved it. When you walked out free, how much time had you spent in prison? 36 years and 10 days. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. On his way out the door, Missouri Governor Eric Greitens pardons five people and commutes the sentences of four, including Rodney. Governor Greitens commuted your sentence. Well, he commuted my sentence to time served. You're still considered guilty of the crime. Absolutely. In the eyes of the state of Missouri, I'm guilty. Here's Sean O'Brien again. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the petition for clemency that Governor Greitens granted was written by Lindsey Runnels on behalf of Melissa DeBoer. Mm, I didn't he know. granted Melissa's petition for clemency. Um, and, and that was something we thought that no governor should ignore when you have the only surviving victim of the crime saying a mistake has been made, please let him go free. Why did he only commute his sentence, Rodney's sentence, the time served and not fully pardon or exonerate him? You know, what is bizarre is the only people who got pardoned by Governor Greitens were guilty political cronies. So I can't tell you more than that. <laughs> Here's Kelly again. The state's stupid. It's just how they could not pardon him, exonerate him. He didn't do it. But yet, they commuted his sentence to time served, which just means you don't have to finish your sentence. You can go home. But you're still guilty. So you still have this hanging over you. You're 74 years. He was 74 when he came home. There's no way anyone's going to give you a job at your age with your background. But we're just going to kick you out. So, bye. See ya. No kind of support. If he was a man that didn't have a family that believed in him and supported him the way his does, he would be lost in this world. Eric Greitens is now running for the U.S. Senate. I reached out to him for comment, and we did trade some text messages and voicemails. He said he would try to make time for a short interview, or at the very least, provide a statement. But as of right now, neither have happened. I have to say, when I started this project, I expected I'd learn more about Rodney, Melissa, the investigation, and the prosecution of this case, which I did. But what I didn't expect was to learn so much about the justice or injustice system in Missouri. From where I sit, it seems for Rodney, the injustice came in three waves. The first was when the failed investigation led to Melissa's ID of Rodney, he was arrested and eventually convicted. The second was after the hair and other DNA came back to not match Rodney, and Melissa recanted, but the circuit attorney's office and the attorney general's office seemed to actively fight to keep Rodney imprisoned. And the third wave was when the courts denied his relief, for reasons like the recantation wasn't to be believed, Rodney wasn't on death row, and in the case of the Missouri Supreme Court, they just flat out refuse to even hear it. We're going to talk more about this in a later episode. So Rodney went into prison a 38-year-old man. 
He came out at 74. Detective Joe Burgoon was there from day one. What did you think that day when Rodney was released from prison? Well, it's, you know, it's just, you know, he served a lot of years. But he served a lot of time in prison. I'd hate to be the guy that, you know, I don't know, so I mean, I'd hate to be the guy that, you know, deprived a man of his life, you know, if it, if it, if it was wrong. Yeah. But, uh, I, I can tell you, though, I, I uh, we did not uh, try to influence those children or, or do anything at all. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. It's you do your job. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, you're not out the real world anybody. You have to live it yourself. And there's a lot of cases that there, there isn't any evidence. You can't make up evidence. Or you shouldn't. You know, it was, there was, there was uh, some things that were there that were, I understand that. We go in a week later and look around while there were cigarette butts. Nobody, nobody knew about cigarette butts way in 83. And about DNA and all that stuff, you know, if they had saved that, we had saved a lot of problems, wouldn't we? What did you think when Melissa recanted? Did you believe her? I think they got to her. Who's they? I've had some experience with the Innocent Projects. You know, whatever, whatever it takes to win, you win. You don't have to be ethical. And I respect them. Now, they've got a job to do, but do it the right way. Don't make, make, a, make us look like the bad guys who are not the bad guys, you know. We're parents and everything else. We're not, we're not, we're not about to uh, mess a kid's life up besides the, besides the, yeah. Or I wouldn't. I've been picking the wrong people, you know. I interviewed Steve Weinberg. He said that you carried a picture you had a picture of Melissa and Renee in your wallet. I did then. I took it out now. <laughs> I still got them though. Why'd you take it out of your wallet? Well, she kind of turned on everybody. Everybody, everybody that, that, that tried to help them. You know, uh, everybody tried to do the best they could for them. You know, and uh, it, you know, it, it, it's in her own mind. She she thinks. That's, that's, that we had the wrong guy once he'd come forward before. There seems to be two camps when it comes to Joe Burgoon. One thinks that he genuinely wanted to solve the case and bring some much-needed comfort to Melissa and her family, and what was done was neither malicious nor nefarious. The other camp, well, thinks the polar opposite. Regardless, the outcome was the same for Rodney Lincoln. What does time mean to you? Everything. People don't realize how precious time is. Right now, I'm 78. I figure my strain's getting kind of short. So I better enjoy what I got left. If I want to go fishing, I go fishing. If I just want to go for a ride, I'll go for a ride. And there's not a person in this world that can tell me no. First week I was home, we went to a swimming pool. I said, I'm going off the high dive. They said, no, you're not. They said, well, you're going to kill yourself. If I do, it's my decision. So, as of today, Rodney's out, though he's still considered guilty of the crimes. His attorneys are working on a full exoneration for him. Meanwhile, we still don't know for sure who the real killer is. Melissa's Uncle Nat and Aunt Lori would sure like to know. Over all these years, all these years, Nat watched all these crime shows that were on TV. Every kind of crime show that was on any kind of channel. Just to look for when something he, similar. When he wasn't home, he had me recording them on VHS. Then he had me record the same shows over again on DVD. He was looking for some 
criminal out there on some show that had the same mo mo that the guy that killed Joanne had. But they didn't. Right. I just wonder if they found any semen in the house. You know, on the bed sheets. Could there be something left on there? Or, or wipe it on her nightgown. Did yeah, they have her nightgown yet? What happened to that? Or her panties? I'd like to see everything that they have from Joanne's house yet. Every piece of evidence yeah. that they have. Lay it out there. Let's look at it. Let's, you know, Whatever if you we, got, I don't care if what we it is. can get somebody like the FBI, even if it's just local St. Louis or some, somebody high up that knows crime scenes and knows evidence. We want to solve it. We would like for it to be. I'd be more happy to do anything. I mean, I'd stand on my head and, and, and eat a banana. And that would be tough. <laughs> so <for> anything. Me. <laughs> I mean, I'd do anything. I'd like to solve this case. I know it's been a long time. It's been since 81, 82. What is the status of Joanne Tate's case? Is it open? Is it closed? Is it a cold case? Well, at this moment, it's still, you know, there's evidence that there may be an individual that was executed, I guess, in Texas that could have possibly been a suspect. But that's right now, you know, it's will be considered an open case. Wow. Kim Gardner just said the case is considered open. And she's talking about Tommy Lynn Sells, who was executed in 2014. As it turns out, Bill Clutter, that private investigator who had investigated Tommy Lynn Sells for years, was able to get a copy of his STR DNA profile through an open records request. But that profile couldn't be compared to the hairs from the crime scene because those were done with mitochondrial DNA testing, and they are two totally different forms of testing with different data. So, can Cell's mitochondrial DNA be tested? Can his fingerprints be compared to those found at the scene? Or what about Steve Yancey's DNA and fingerprints? Can whatever DNA and prints still exist be entered into the national databases in case it's someone altogether different? I asked Sean O'Brien. Melissa and Nat both wonder, as do I, if there is anything that could still be tested, physical evidence that still exists or fingerprints that could still be run against deviancy, Tommy Lynn Cell's prints that are obviously in the system. There is a fingerprint that's kind of smudgy. I don't know that it's good enough to match to somebody. Um, I mean, we have you know, gone through the physical evidence with a fine-tooth comb. I do know the person in the system um, who would listen is Kim Gardner. I was there when Melissa met Kim, and Kim was kind and compassionate and supportive. And I think if Melissa went to Kim and said, please look at the physical evidence in the case and, uh, you know, test what you can, Having a prosecutor who is reform-minded um, could very well be our best avenue for getting access to that evidence. It's incredible to think that Melissa and Rodney's story spans 40 years, and they haven't seen each other since he was released from prison. That's about to change. I made sure of it. In the spring of 2021, on an incredibly windy day, I mean, it's like gale force winds. It's very windy. Yes, it is. Seconds later, Melissa is at Rodney's door. Amazing. <laughs> I am amazing. I just can't believe it. I've been waiting for so long. You're the reason I held on during the pandemic. You know that, right? You're one of the few. Yeah, here now. That's all the time. Rodney offers Melissa a beer. She gladly accepts. 
I think that I haven't had a beer in five years, so let's have a beer. I can't think of a better person to have a beer with, right? Today is a day of celebration, right? Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Too many days and nights. Too many days and nights. Years and making centuries. Up, making up for lost time and starting our own story. There you go. The good story. That's right. The true story. They hug for a long time, then sit, holding hands. And you know what? <laughs> like, this is the first time I've been here in years when I haven't been sad or worried or afraid or guilty. You set me free. I tell you. The situation that came up between us was wrong for both of us. But look what came of it. One of the most precious bonds I have in my life. I feel so I get another daughter. That's right, you got another daughter to drive you crazy. Yeah. Um, where does forgiveness come from? Where, where, how did you find that forgiveness? I don't think I ever really forgave her for anything because I could never see her as being guilty of anything. I felt she was tricked, mm-hmm. manipulated. Used, and she didn't do anything wrong. Kane, oh my goodness, hi girl. girl. Kay then joins the reunion. Hi, Mama. How are you? So good to see you. I'm excited to be back here, and not only do I have. I have family here. I have you guys as my family too, and I don't feel worthy sometimes. Well, but I love you very much. You are more than worthy. You you put too much on yourself. You take too much responsibility on yourself for things that were not your fault. Well, you know what I did do is I tried to fight with you, and I said horrible things about you, and wrote letters about your dad. Like the things that I did do, like you were defending right. yourself, right, and your life and everything that you had believed for the entire your entire life. But what I didn't know is that you knew more about me than anyone. I know, and that's what drives me crazy. Right. Everybody I talked to, I said, please tell Melissa to call me. Yeah. Please tell her to call me. Yeah. I know so much more about what happened back then than what she will ever know. But. I operated from a very um, emotionally immature place back then. Because when you was placed in that, you was placed in that position. Right. By people who were adults. Yeah. Knew better. Right. But didn't care because they had a goal that they wanted to reach. Right. And I, I... I just, like, the thought of you being in there, being innocent. I couldn't leave you there, and I could not say anything. I had no end idea, as naive as I was, that they wouldn't be on board. But when you have the knowledge that you were wrong, that you may have messed up someone's life, you say something no matter what it costs you, because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. My Not friend is correct. You know, I called Detective Bergoon back in 2003, 2004, and I asked him, what evidence did you ever have against my dad? And he said, we didn't need any. We had Melissa. I said, well, do you realize that when you told that child mm-hmm. that she had to pick the bad man, you were forcing her to make yeah. an identification? She didn't have a choice. I never led a witness ever. I said, or he said, I've never had a case of mistaken eyewitness identification. I said, well, you did in this one. And you know what he said to me? Hmm. Well, never before and never after. 
Like, that's okay? This one, it's okay? Then Melissa confesses something to Rodney. You know, and then there was something that opened my heart towards you ever before I truly realized you were innocent. It was an Easter message that I found on YouTube. And that was something that made me think about the fact that Rodney was a human being and I really needed to work on how I felt about him. That was the first softening right there. You still believed he was guilty at that point. Yeah. You were just seeing his, him as yeah. a human being. Yeah, and I, it was really funny. Then I started learning about the Innocence Project ever before I talked to anybody. And I saw the statistics of people that were wrongfully convicted, people that, you know, die on death row. And I remember thinking, how many innocent people are there? And you did cross my mind at one time, and my brain's like, stop. Stop thinking mm-hmm. about that. Because I knew if I had to admit one thing... You have to go down that road. I have to start admitting others, and I wasn't ready. I was scared. Because my whole foundation, my whole personality, my whole life was built around being a survivor and a victim and being upset and afraid of you. That was my whole existence. But once I realized I couldn't wrap you up in that anymore, I don't know, things just, just began to shift. So thank you for everything. It's huge. I just thank you guys. It's really cool. This has been so great. Thank you for being my friend and understanding. <laughs> Thank you. I, I can't live long enough to make you proud. <laughs> you already have. I have. Yes, you have. I'm kind of a hellraiser, is that alright? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Lincoln Right? 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 <laughs> Next time on The Real Killer. In one of the letters that you wrote, you said you never babysat the girls. No, no, uh, no. Uh, she was, Joe was always there at the house. I finally talk with Steve Yancey. You know, what's weird is that Melissa said that you did babysit them. Steve? Steve? Steve, are you still there? Steve? A quick note. Rodney Lincoln's daughter, Kay, has started a Facebook discussion group around this podcast. If you want to get into the conversation, search for Who Killed Joanne Tate on Facebook and ask to join the group. The Real Killer is a production of AYR Media and iHeartRadio, hosted by me, Leah Rothman. Executive producers Leah Rothman and Aliza Rosen for AYR Media. Written by me, Leah Rothman. Senior Associate Producer Eric Newman. Editing and sound design by Cameron Taggy. Mixed and mastered by Cameron Taggy. Audio engineering by Jesus C. Mario. Studio engineering by Tom Weir and Kelly McGrew. Legal counsel for AYR Media, Gianni Douglas. Executive producer for iHeartRadio, Chandler Mays. If you're enjoying The Real Killer, tell your friends about it and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.